Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. There's a video from March of 2018 that shows Mississippi's governor at the time, Phil Bryant, sitting in front of a big table, smiling, surrounded by other lawmakers from the state. You know, I love when Mississippi leads the nation, um, saving the unborn, protecting religious freedoms. He's getting ready to sign what would at the time be the nation's strictest abortion law. And as he picks up his pen and starts writing, he says, that he thinks there will be a lawsuit over the bill. And he's cool with that. It's fitting that Bryant said that. For a couple reasons. One, he was right. The law was taken to court, and since it was signed, it's been blocked by lower courts, citing Roe v. Wade. On Tuesday, a Mississippi law that bans most abortions after 15 weeks was thrown out, with a judge ruling that it unequivocally violates women's constitutional rights. And two, he and conservatives across the country were cool with that. They want these laws to go to court. It's just been, I won't say a game because this is very serious, but it's been a strategy of passing as many of these bans and as many different kinds of bans as possible in red and purple states across the country to see what they could get up through the system. And this has been a a multi-year strategy, and this just happened to be the one to make it. That's Alice Miranda Olstein. She's a reporter on Politico's health team covering reproductive rights. Normally, one likes to ease into Monday morning, so you log on, you get your coffee, but then suddenly the Supreme Court dropped a bomb on us, announcing that they would take this case that could really change the abortion rights landscape all around the country. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, after years of Republican efforts to get abortion cases before an increasingly conservative Supreme Court, justices have agreed to hear a case that marks a direct challenge to Roe v. Wade. So Roe versus Wade has been on the books now for more than half a century. Good evening. In a landmark ruling, the Supreme Court today legalized abortions. And what it says, there's a lot of misconceptions about what it says, but basically what it says is that states can't ban abortion before the point of fetal viability, before the point in a pregnancy where a fetus could survive outside the womb. In effect, the court makes abortion subject only to the decision of the pregnant woman's doctor. It ruled that states may make no laws restricting a doctor's right to decide his patient needs an abortion and to carry out that abortion during the first three months of a pregnancy. States have moved since then to ban abortions later in pregnancy, but they've been blocked from doing so. North Dakota has the country's most restrictive abortion law, but for the time being, it will not be enforced. A federal judge blocked enforcement of the measure that would have banned abortions beginning at six weeks of pregnancy. In more recent years, especially when more conservatives have been confirmed to the Supreme Court under the Bush administration and especially under the Trump administration, conservatives 
around the country started to get more hopeful that the Supreme Court would revisit and potentially overturn or really chip away at Roe versus Wade, Mm -hmm. especially after Justice Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed to the Supreme Court last year. We saw conservatives say, "Okay, now that we have a 6-3 supermajority on the Supreme Court, now they're really going to go for it. And we had a new wave of states passing all of these different kinds of bans. And they passed these bans in different states, knowing that they would be blocked as long as Roe versus Wade was the law of the land. But it was an intentional strategy to get a case up through the federal judiciary in front of the Supreme Court and force them to reconsider this precedent, which it appears now will happen. Wow. So Republican states have been passing laws basically solely for the purpose of instigating legal battles in an effort to get something challenging Roe v. Wade to the Supreme Court. Absolutely. And it was sort of throwing things against the wall until something stuck. There have been so many of these bans passed. This one from Mississippi is the one to finally make it there. Hmm. And what exactly does this law in Mississippi do? It's a ban on abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy, and it has no exemptions for cases of rape or incest. It has some health and life of the mother exemptions, but it is uh, not unique. Many states have passed similar bans, some as early as six weeks, and six weeks is obviously before many people know they're pregnant. Um, 15 weeks, honestly, is before many people know they're pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, some set it at 20 weeks. And all of this is just under the same umbrella strategy of trying to provoke the Supreme Court into reconsidering Roe versus Wade. So do we know anything about what exactly the Supreme Court is looking at legally with this ban and why they chose this specific case? Nope. When the Supreme Court orders came down, there was just one line in there saying they would take this case. Hmm. Um, unlike recent abortion cases that they have decided to take where they said, OK, we're only going to stick to these narrow procedural questions of who can challenge what and who can represent who in court. They're really going in this case to the heart of the matter. They are going to decide whether states can ban abortion prior to the point of fetal viability, whether or not it's unconstitutional for them to do so, which is the heart of Roe versus Wade. So I know it's going to be a while until justices actually hear this case, not until later this year in the fall. So a ruling could be next year. But what exactly is at stake here? So it's interesting because we already have a situation in the United States where whether or not you can access an abortion, an abortion clinic, really depends on where you live. The laws in California and the laws in Alabama are so different right now. We have many, many states with just one remaining abortion clinic. And so if you are poor and can't take time off work or you don't have a car or so many different factors, abortion is, you know, it might be legal on paper, but it's not accessible to you. So in one sense, maybe not that much will change. But in another sense, a lot could change if Roe versus Wade is overturned. You have more than a dozen states around the country who have these so-called trigger bans in effect, where they have a law saying, if the Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade, we automatically ban abortion. Mm. And so what you could see is, you know, we already have a patchwork. It would become even more disparate um, in terms of access to abortion in the United States. Now, interestingly, I've also been reporting on a separate decision 
the Biden administration is grappling with, which is federal rules around abortion pills and whether they can be ordered online and sent through the mail. This has been a big fight for many, many years. And the thought is that allowing these pills to be sent by mail and ordered online could help people in some of these states where abortion is very inaccessible now and would become completely illegal in a post-row scenario, allow them to still maintain this access as a sort of end run around it or not. So that is something to absolutely watch going forward. Huh. And to be clear, that's not something being decided by courts or the Supreme Court here. It's separate. So that's something the FDA is currently deciding. Okay. And do we know when that decision could be made? Supposed to be later this year. Oh, wow. So we could end up with a situation where after decades of efforts by Republicans, they finally get judges, in effect, ruling against Roe v. Wade, triggering that wave of rules, making it harder to get abortions. But then you could have new access for people to get pills for abortions through the mail because of this rule. Yes, um, with some caveats. So states are already moving to ban abortion pills by mail, even ahead of a federal decision. Mm. But it would be very difficult to enforce. These pills are coming to people's individual homes in discrete packaging. It'd be very, very hard to enforce a ban. Now, I will also say that abortion rights advocates say that these pills are not a panacea because they can only be used safely up to about 10 weeks of pregnancy, which is even earlier than we're talking about now. And so by the time someone realizes that they're pregnant, goes and orders the pills, goes to get them, it could be too late. They could miss that window, which is why they're also pushing for other methods of surgical abortion to still be accessible. Alice Miranda Olstein, thanks so much for talking with me. Thank you. Also today, the Biden administration is planning to send an additional 20 million doses of coronavirus vaccines overseas to countries in need. The move was announced on Monday following a decision last month to send 60 million AstraZeneca doses across the world. The additional doses will come from either Pfizer, Moderna, or Johnson & Johnson, and a total of 80 million doses are expected to be sent out by the end of June. The announcement comes as the administration faces mounting pressure to send vaccines to countries experiencing upticks in infection rates, particularly places in South and Southeast Asia, like India, Nepal, and the Philippines. And the Department of Education is launching a hearing to review a Trump-era Title IX rule that mandates how colleges and K-12 schools have to respond to reports of sexual misconduct. On Monday, the Department's Office for Civil Rights said the hearing will run from June 7th to 11th and will include live comments from individuals and organizations on a 2020 rule instituted by former Education Secretary Betsy DeVos, giving people accused of sexual assault on campuses expanded protections. The rule is one of the key legacies of DeVos's tenure, and she said it ensures survivors aren't brushed aside and the guilt of an accused student isn't predetermined. But critics say it weakens protections for survivors. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like what you're hearing and want to help us out, you can do that by leaving a rating and review and by telling a friend to check out the show. 
I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.